0: We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we're going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good, now you are ready to enter the warning woods. Do not let the past dictate your future. That's an exhausted cliche Lucas Leach never wanted to hear again. It's easy for so many people to put their past behind them and stride into a bright new future. Lucas believed for a time that he could dictate his own future too. He believed it for a whole summer between 8th and 9th grade. But when he started his classes at Fair Mountain High, his dreams of a self-guided future were pummeled to death by every teacher who responded to his name at roll call by saying, Oh yes, I had your brother. The teachers never mentioned Lucas's brother Reggie with a positive tone. Their voices always carried the weight of preloaded loathing. The thing is, Lucas and Reggie couldn't have been more different. Lucas and Reggie knew that. Their mother knew it. Their father might have known it too if he had seen fit to stick around past Lucas's fifth birthday. He didn't know anything anymore not since being sucked under the wheels of a rattling train he tried to jump on while evading the cops. Reggie was clever, but not book smart. He was also mean. His cruelty umbrellaed anyone who spent an extended amount of time with him—classmates, teachers, his brother, and even his mother. He had once put his pet gopher snake in Lucas's hamster's cage while Lucas was sleeping over at a friend's house. Lucas had come home bleary-eyed and ready for a morning nap, only to be snapped awake by the sight of Reggie's snake resting against the cage's mesh with a hamster-sized bulge a quarter of the way down its body. Had Reggie received any punishment for this? Of course not. Even if Mary Leach had been around, which she rarely seemed to be, she would have been too scared of her own son to inflict any meaningful punishment. The last time she had punished Reggie for his hideous crimes, she had shortly thereafter found her engagement ring, the last remnant of The Good Times. Inside the garbage disposal Not only had the machine chomped all of the diamonds out of their fixtures The diamonds had practically destroyed the disposal's inner workings It still hung broken under the kitchen sink At school, Reggie danced on the line between being a nuisance and a criminal like an Olympic figure skater He might have tripped over a classmate's backpack on his way to the whiteboard And knock everything on their desk to the floor as he caught himself No one was ever surprised to hear him fart loudly in class, nor were they shocked whenever he tried to blame it on the smallest, shyest kid in the room. And now, three years after Reggie Leach had graduated and the faculty at Fairmountain High thought they were well and done with his shenanigans, in walked Lucas Leach. Besides being drastically smaller than his brother, Lucas bore every resemblance. His curly blonde hair, striking blue eyes, and subtly dimpled chin all reminded the teachers of the hell they had taken from his brother. Lucas, much quieter and detrimentally tolerant, quickly became a conduit for everyone's hatred of Reggie. Lucas was somewhat prone to actually tripping over backpacks. If he bumped a classmate's desk on his way down, he was scolded in front of everyone, no matter how many times he apologized. He was also prone to having a loud fart blamed on him, only in his case, his teachers and classmates believed he really had made the disgusting noise. One teacher seemed to hate Lucas more than anyone, and that was Roger Holt, English Lit. Mr. Holt seemed to have it out for every kid in his class, but Lucas drew extra attention thanks to his brother. Mr. Holt loved to call on Lucas and ask about a particular element from the reading assignment, and laugh or chastise him if he couldn't answer. Lucas often felt so sure that the answer to Mr. Holt's question had not been in the reading that he would double-check. He could never find it. Lucas might have been able to stand this abuse if Mr. Holt hadn't also been abusing Lucas's grades. English Lit provided a unique opportunity for the cruel teacher to lean on the subjectivity of the material to ensure Lucas could never quite find the right answers. No matter how much thought Lucas put into them, his papers always came back looking like they'd received death by a thousand cuts. Sometimes it looked like there was more of Mr. Holt's red ink on the page than Lucas's black. I should briefly mention that Lucas did bring his complaints about Mr. Holt to the principal early in his first semester. Unfortunately, the imprint Reggie left on Fairmount High had dented the administration as well as the teachers. On an average Tuesday, Lucas had his head down over a pop quiz in English Lit. His long hair had fallen around his face, blocking out the cruel world and helping him focus. He didn't notice the kid next to him, Harry, steal his water bottle off his desk. He didn't see Harry unscrew the cap and dump the water all over his own test, which he presumably would have failed. Harry jumped, feigning shock. Why'd you do that? He screamed at Lucas. Lucas stared back at him, then at the water dripping from the sides of Harry's desk. I didn't- Lucas leech. Mr. Holt spat out his name like a rotten grape. "'I tolerate a lot from you, but this is the end of the line. The last straw. That's detention, young man. Now get Harry some towels, help him dry up, and give him your quiz. You will be turning in what is left of his.' Lucas held back tears as he went to the restroom for paper towels. Detention was bad enough. Having to fork over his quiz was also terrible, but he thought the worst part was the hidden confirmation that Mr. Holt knew he was really a good student. Why else would he make Lucas give Harry his quiz if he didn't know Lucas's score would be excellent? Lucas wondered if Harry, a proud idiot, had actually banked on being gifted Lucas's quiz. The bell rang at 3.05, and rather than get on the bus home, Lucas went to the principal's office to ask where detention was being held that day. The teachers at Fairmountain High rotated detention duty. Some would let the students study. Others supplied them with tasks like Ms. Green, the art teacher. She usually had some sort of prep work for the next day's class and was more than happy to let the naughty kids do it for her. Lucas had to hurry. Fairmountain High was housed in a large old building and it could sometimes take up to five minutes to get from one side to the other even without student traffic. When Lucas asked Principal Brent where detention was that Tuesday, he looked at his computer for a moment, then said, report to Mr. Holt's classroom. Lucas wanted to throw up. Had Mr. Holt intentionally put him in detention knowing he would get a chance to punish Lucas further? It didn't seem likely that the teacher had forgotten he had detention duty that afternoon. Lucas arrived at Mr. Holt's classroom and took a seat at his usual desk. Holt didn't acknowledge him, nor did the three other students who had detention that day. Each of them surprised Lucas for a different reason. First, he noted Laura Pressfield, a track star and straight-A student, not known for causing trouble. Then there was Billy Anton, someone Lucas had only been vaguely aware of until he had saved a kindergartner from a reckless driver who ignored a school bus's stop sign. Billy had made the news and become the most popular kid in school for three days before everybody forgot about him again. And lastly, somehow both shocking and unsurprising, was Harry Landon. Harry who had landed Lucas in detention in the first place. Harry had also sat at his usual desk, so he and Lucas were side by side. Lucas couldn't help but ask, "'Why are you here?' Mr. Holt slammed his book shut and stood, towering over the detainees. "'He is here, Mr. Lucas, because despite your low opinion of me, I am capable of basic observation. I watched Mr. Landon here take the water bottle from your desk. "'Wait, then why am I here? "'If you know what happened—' Mr. Holt flushed red and a vein stood out on his forehead as he yelled, Because you put that bottle right where an imbecile like him could reach it. Because you did nothing to prevent his actions and therefore are just as culpable as he. Need I continue, Mr. Leach? But Mr. Holt, I- That's enough. If I want to hear from you again, I will call on you. Until then- Mr. Holt pulled an invisible zipper across his lips. His face returned to its usual color and the vein retreated. He picked up a small cardboard box and stepped around his desk toward them. Cell phones, please, he said. He went to each of their desks, collecting their phones. When they had all obediently handed over their devices, he put the box in a drawer in his desk and locked it. Do you all have coursework to do? he asked. They all nodded glumly. Mr. Holt righted his chair and smiled at them. Then you'd better get this done quickly. He reached under his desk and pulled out a long coil of rope. He threw it at one of the empty desks at the front so hard it slammed into the chair behind it and knocked it over. Laura shrieked. Mr. Holt then produced three more ropes and tossed them similarly. "'What should we do with them?' Billy asked. Mr. Holt cracked his knuckles one at a time as he answered, "'Well, it seems the climbing ropes in the gym have become frayed. Mrs. Carlyle has requested your help knotting these to replace them.' "'But, Mr. Holt, our gym doesn't have climbing ropes anymore,' Laura said." Mr. Holt shot up to his feet again and screamed, "'That's because they're frayed. "'This is ridiculous,' Harry said. He got to his feet and started walking to the door. "'You can't do this to us.' "'Do what, Harry? Ask for a little help?' asked Mr. Holt. "'No, make us do pointless work for no reason,' Harry replied. Lucas couldn't believe he found himself actually agreeing with Harry for once. "'Redundant,' Mr. Holt mumbled.' Have you considered, Harry, that maybe I do have a reason for this request? Have you considered that maybe you, the student, don't know everything that I, the teacher, know? Whatever, Harry mumbled, but he returned to his seat. Now, Miss Pressfield will demonstrate how to tie the knots properly, Holt said. Wait, what? I don't know how to do it. Laura looked around the room, searching for help, but the others avoided her eyes. Does anyone in this room know how the knots should be tied? Mr. Holt asked. No one answered. Well then, Miss Pressfield, you may as well demonstrate so we all can learn together. Laura grunted as she pushed her chair out. She walked to the front of the room and grabbed the end of the rope that had knocked over a chair. She turned to face her peers and tried looping the rope through itself, but it was too thick and her knot came apart in her hands. Again, Holt demanded impatiently. He came around his desk and picked up the other end of the rope, appearing to help her. Laura rolled her eyes so only the other students could see, and tried again. When the loop unraveled this time, Holt yanked the rope hard and tore it out of Laura's hands. She shouted and held her hands up in front of her face, a look of unbelieving horror frozen there. "'What the hell? That really hurt!' she shouted at Holt. A muscle in his jaw twitched. "'Oh, stop whining!' I'm sure your little owie does not come close to the agony of teaching you brats day in and day out. The three other students looked around at each other. They could not have been more different from one another, yet in that moment, they became a unified force. Harry stood and approached Laura. She allowed him to gently move her aside. He caught a glimpse of her hands as he moved her. She's bleeding, man. You scraped your hands raw. He had meant to simply take Laura's place demonstrating the knots, but now he wanted to attack Mr. Holt in her defense. Laura seemed to sense this and backed away. Billy and Lucas leaned forward in their chairs. "'Take your seat, Harry,' Holt said, seemingly unbothered. "'No, I'm going to the principal,' Harry replied. Holt stepped toward him, stopping only inches away. "'The principal does not wish to be bothered by your sniveling.' Yo, this is detention, not English class. You're going to have to drop the hoity-toity act, Harry retorted. Holt raised an eyebrow. Rather than be further infuriated, his face softened a little. He calmly returned to his desk, opened one of the drawers, and pulled something out. It was hidden behind his computer monitor as he launched into a short speech. I worried this group might be uncooperative, he said. We have Miss Pressfield, the perfect, he spat the word out the untouchable. This one he put in air quotes. We have Mr. Anton, the rampant deviant. Lucas looked at Billy and watched him shrink. He had never heard of Billy being deviant in any way. As far as Lucas knew, today was the first time Billy had received any form of discipline at the school. But Mr. Holt kept going without an explanation. There is, standing before you all, Mr. Landon who, well, need I really explain my apprehension about him? And finally, we have Mr. Leach, whose only crime has ever been growing up in the shadow of a moronic nuisance. How is your brother Lucas? Has he found a good ditch to die in yet? Perhaps a lovely gutter? Lucas found himself at a loss for words. Had Mr. Holt just confessed to punishing him for Reggie's crimes? He followed Harry's lead and stood up. He wanted to go to the principal too. "'Ah, I see I have touched a nerve,' Holt said. "'Is Brother Dearest a sensitive subject?' Come on, Harry, let's go, Lucas said. Harry gave him an affirmative nod and stepped toward the door. Holt stepped around his desk, and the students all saw what he had pulled out of the drawer. He pointed it right at Harry's head, but Harry had his back turned and didn't see. No, don't, Billy screamed. Harry whipped around. When he completed his about face, his eyeball was mere inches from the wide barrel of Mr. Holt's revolver. Take a seat, Mr. Landon. We have work to do. Holt said, his voice remaining flat and calm. It seemed to Lucas that as the tension had escalated, Holt had actually grown calmer. "'You too, Leach,' Holt said, swinging the gun in Lucas's direction. The boys and Mr. Holt all returned to their desks. "'Now,' Mr. Holt said, smiling pleasantly as if the past ten minutes had never occurred, "'shall we tie some knots?' Holt's gun had sucked all of the resistance out of the student's they followed his instructions to a tee. He had them all sit next to each other in the first row of desks and laid one rope on each desk. Now allow me to demonstrate what you all seem too simple to intuit, Holt said. He held up Laura's rope and tied a perfect knot at the end, a good starting point for a climber. There, he said, and started swinging the knotted end of the rope in a loop. Now you try, Mr. Anton. Billy's forehead glistened under the fluorescent lights. Lucas could hear him breathing heavily through his mouth as he struggled with the thick rope. His first knot fell apart. Not so used to working with something so limp, I see, Holt sneered. Perhaps you would be more comfortable with woodworking. Billy let the rope fall from his hands and gaped at Mr. Holt. Oh my god, he said. That thing you said earlier about me being deviant? That was about me being gay, wasn't it? Mr. Holt stared down past his nose. Are you serious, man? You can't say stuff like that. It's just wrong. Not to mention it's against school polyp- Whack! Billy was cut short when the knot at the end of Mr. Holt's rope struck his jaw. Laura screamed and jumped out of her chair. Harry and Lucas sat frozen and wide-eyed. Billy started to cry. Tie your knot, Mr. Anton, Holt said, calm as ever. Billy shook his head. I said, tie your knot, Mr. Holt swung the rope again. This time bringing the heavy knot down on one of Billy's trembling hands. He whimpered and retracted it. Holt rolled his eyes and took Billy's rope. He placed it on Laura's desk. She was still standing and now crying as well. Holt gestured to her chair. She shook her head. He brought his knot down heavily on the surface of her desk and his eyes flared crazily. Laura obeyed. She picked up Billy's rope, fumbled it, and quickly gripped it again while muttering faint apologies. Thirty seconds later, She tied the first knot. Good, Mr. Holt said. Now test it. I'm sorry, I don't know how, Laura said through tears. Holt smiled at her tenderly. Well, Mr. Anton is still recovering, it seems. Why don't you use Leech? His smile turned to a sneer as he shifted his gaze to Lucas. What? No, Laura said. Holt nodded and looked down at his own rope again. He started twisting it around until he had a second knot about two feet above the first. He held it up, assessed it, then swung it down at Laura. The new knot hit her at the base of her neck and the first one wrapped around her back to hit her upper arm. Laura made a pitiful whimper and collapsed onto her desk in a sobbing heap. Leech, Holt shouted. Lucas stiffened. Test Miss Pressfield's rope, please. Lucas reached over and grabbed Laura's rope from her desk. He held her knot and gave it a tug feels pretty good, Mr. Holt. Holt shook his head. We have to know if it will catch a weak student if they slip. How does it fare on impact, Leech? Test it. Lucas smacked his own desk with the knotted rope. Holt shook his head again. Mr. Leech, how will you feel if a fellow student dies because you did not properly test that knot? How do I- You know how, Mr. Leech. Mr. Holt stared at Lucas knowingly. Lucas slowly pushed out his chair and stood. He assessed his peers and decided Harry was most likely the toughest. He also hated Harry the most. Actually, he decided it would feel pretty good to try out the knot on Harry, but then he quickly shattered that thought and swept it from his mind. He couldn't allow Holt's insanity to brush off on him. And it was, after all, pure insanity. No one was going to die because a knot unraveled. These ropes would probably never see the light of day. Lucas didn't think that any school that wasn't hungry for a lawsuit would allow rope-climbing in gym class anymore. Lucas positioned himself in front of Harry's desk. Harry looked up at him, his eyes filled with regret and apology. Lucas raised the rope over his head, and then… No, Leach. Holt stopped him. That is Miss Pressfield's work. She needs to see it through. Lucas lowered the rope. No, he said defiantly. Absolutely not. Oh, absolutely, yes, Holt said enthusiastically. If you do not obey me, I will see to it that every knot in this room is tested between your legs, leech. I will make sure you walk out of here bloody, if you can walk out at all. Now help Miss Pressfield test the integrity of her knot. As Mr. Holt's shouting voice reverberated through the room, they all heard a new sound approaching. Someone's squeaky shoes were coming down the waxed hallway outside. Holt went pale. The kids all looked to each other hopefully. Holt moved like a vampire, darting around his desk and sliding into his chair. Not a word. Not a peep from any of you, he hissed. He made sure they all heard the hammer of his revolver click under his desk. Lucas could see it down there by Holt's knee. It was pointed directly at Laura. If you don't think I'll do it, you should know I have nothing to lose. All I have are these six bullets. One for each of you, one for the principal, and one for myself. I'm ready to go. Are you? Before any of them answered, the door opened. Principal Brent stood in the doorway and peeked in. Everything okay in here, Mr. Holt? I thought I heard some shouting, the principal said. Billy had collected himself and Laura kept her head down so her long hair covered her tear-streaked face. Holt looked to each of the students in turn, ensuring none of them were about to do anything rash. Oh, sorry about that, Holt said, laughing a little. I'm afraid I'm not the best teacher when it comes to discipline I sort of thought having to stay after school was punishment enough, and rather than make them do homework, we've been playing games. I suppose we got a little rowdy. We will keep it down. Principal Brent smiled, charmed by the dastardly teacher. Oh, that's all right, Mr. Holt, no worries. I just thought I'd check in. Principal Brent's eyes fell on the ropes across the student's desk, and it seemed for a moment that he might further question Holt. But instead, he said, Well, listen, my kids got karate tonight and my wife's not feeling well. I've got to drop him off, so I'm heading out early. Kids, don't give Mr. Holt any trouble, all right? I'm looking at you, Lucas. Lucas looked up at Principal Brent and tried desperately to communicate through his gaze. He mentally screamed, help us, as he looked across the room into Brent's eyes. But the Principal only shook his head, eternally disappointed in the leech boys. Keep him in check, Holt. Good luck. With that, Principal Brent shut the door. They all listened to his squeaky shoes traveling down the hall, around the corner, and out of earshot. I must say you all behaved yourselves remarkably, Holt said, sounding genuinely proud. Bravo! I think, as a reward, we will take a break from the ropes. Just let me make sure there won't be any more interruptions. Mr. Holt reached into a drawer once again, and this time he removed a blowtorch. The students held their breath as he stepped around his desk. They all wondered what or who he intended to use the tool on. They sighed in turn as he passed each of them by and walked all the way across the room to the door. To keep anyone else out and remove any temptation for you to leave before you were dismissed, he said, holding the blowtorch up by his head. He winked an evil demon's wink, then sprayed blue flame across the door handle. He held the torch there until the metal glowed white, This seemed to be the final straw for Harry. He had been planning to make a break for it despite the gun, and now could not. Holt must have noticed Harry's sideways glances at the door and been prompted to eliminate that option. Harry stood and growled. He picked up his rope, which hadn't been knotted yet, but could still do damage if wielded by someone who wished to cause it. Mr. Landon, please remain seated, Holt said firmly. Let us go, Harry demanded. Holt chuckled and shook his head. With a gesture to the glowing orange doorknob, he said, "'Even if I wanted to, I could not.' Harry howled and charged, but he only took three steps before Holt raised his revolver. Harry stopped cold and dropped the rope. "'You wish to go that badly?' Holt asked Harry. "'I just want to get out of here, man,' Harry said with a hint of pitiful despair. Holt appeared to think carefully about this. He frowned thoughtfully, tilted his head to one side." Then slowly began to nod. Suddenly, he looked up into Harry's eyes and said, Dismissed. Whether because of shock, disbelief, or complete sensory overload, Lucas didn't hear the gun go off. He felt a small punch of air hit his shoulder. He smelled the spent powder and hot lead. He saw Harry's head snap back in slow motion. The first sound Lucas heard was blood and brain splashing on the floor. Harry didn't actually fall until he took a step backward and his foot slipped in his own grey matter. Then he went back, landing with a sickening squelch at Lucas's feet. Lucas became faintly aware that Laura was screaming and Billy had started crying again. Harry had landed facing Lucas with his eyes wide open. Blood started trickling into the whites. Lucas thought he might vomit. He looked up at Holt and Holt looked back at him with an almost loving expression. I'm so sorry you all had to see that, he said. Would anyone else like to leave now? Lucas dropped his gaze as he shook his head. He didn't look, but he felt sure the other two did the same. Holt drew a breath as if to say something else, but his phone rang. Not the handset on his desk, but his cell phone. It vibrated loudly, seemingly amplified by the vacuum of shock. Please excuse me, Holt said. He sat at his desk and checked his phone, then said, I apologize. I must take this. Please remain seated. He placed the gun down, intentionally turning it so the barrel faced Lucas. He picked up the phone with his left hand, sat down, and placed his right down on top of the gun. What does she want now? Holt asked whoever had called him. Laura kicked Lucas's leg. He looked at her sideways, turning his head as little as possible. Someone must have heard it, she whispered. Lucas gave a small shrug. We have to do something, Lucas. Maybe if we all run at him together… Lucas made wide eyes at her and shook his head subtly. Mr. Holt had become entirely engrossed in his phone call. It seemed the three remaining students and the murder he had just committed suddenly meant nothing to him. Something said to him on the other end of the line made him so angry he actually raised his right hand off the gun and made a fist with it and punched himself three times in the temple. He glanced up and caught Lucas staring at him. He gave Lucas a look of disgust, then swiveled his chair around so his back was to them. It's a trick, Lucas whispered. He could sense Laura shifting in her seat, preparing to... something. Lucas never got to learn what Laura would have done, because Billy took action first. He had slunk out of his chair and started crawling toward Holt's desk. She can't have it, Quinn. Bottom line, Holt grumbled into the phone. If I have to pay her out, fine. Money isn't the issue here, it's the principle of the matter. She thinks she can take everything I love from me and I just won't have it. Billy was halfway to the desk when Holt started turning back around. Lucas looked at Billy, then the gun. Harry's dead eyes stared up at him from the floor, seeming to beg, don't let it happen again. Lucas glanced at the doorknob and saw it had returned to its normal color, although it was drooping a little. He assumed it was still hot, but it might be bearable to touch long enough to turn it. I'll kill her, Holt said. I will, I'll kill her before I let her take it. Whoever he's talking to better take him seriously, Lucas thought. I don't care. You're my lawyer. Whatever I say has to stay between us. I'm just being honest, Quinn. Holt had stopped turning, and now his back was to the door. Lucas was sure the unhinged teacher would still catch him moving if he went for the door, but he might have just enough time to get out anyway. He wasn't sure what that left the other two to do, but maybe they would have a chance to follow him while Holt was flustered. Billy had made it all the way to Holt's desk and was now crouched against it. Holt hadn't noticed him missing from his seat yet. Lucas made his move. Holt might not have seen Lucas after all if the back leg of Lucas's chair hadn't squeaked when he pushed it out. Lucas wasted no time running to the door. Holt spun, dropping his phone and reaching for the gun. Lucas got his hand around the doorknob. It was still hot enough to blister his skin, but he blocked out the pain. A primal urge to survive had hijacked his instincts. Holt had time to raise the gun, but before he could squeeze off the shot that would have splattered Lucas' face on the door, Billy shot up from the floor and grabbed the gun, giving Lucas just enough time to open the door. Now Laura joined the action. She rushed at Holt and started pelting him with one of the knotted ropes again and again while he tried to wrestle the gun away from Billy. Lucas looked at the long hallway, the obstacle-free path to the rest of his life, but he couldn't leave them. Not after Billy had most likely just saved his life. Holt ripped the gun free from Billy's grip, but Laura's constant blows prevented him from aiming it. Lucas grabbed another rope on his way to the fight. He ran around behind Holt and wrapped the rope around his neck. Let go of the gun! he screamed into Holt's ear. Billy had abandoned the struggle and was now shouting and crying into Holt's phone on the floor. Holt seemed to realize his time had run out. He squeezed off three shots in rapid, aimless succession. He hit a light, the clock, and his computer monitor. Laura cowered, and Holt used the brake from getting beaten to slip out of Lucas's rope. He kicked Lucas in the stomach, and he doubled over. Holt lowered the gun at his head. Lucas heard the shot go off this time. He felt the punch of air again, but he felt no pain. He supposed that was just from shock, but he didn't feel different at all. Suddenly, he realized he could hear a scuffle. He looked up and saw Billy had once more saved him from a bullet. Billy had dropped the phone back on the floor and slammed into Holt just as he had taken the shot. The bullet had lodged into the wall right behind Lucas. Holt managed to overpower Billy, and when Laura jumped in to take his place, Holt whipped her across the forehead with the butt of his gun. Now all three students lay on the floor with Holt standing over them. Footsteps were echoing in the hallway. Someone was coming. Maybe a few people. Maybe other teachers or help sent by Holt's lawyer. Could the police have possibly come so quickly? Holt stared at the gun in his hand. He slowly rotated it and stared down the barrel. Then he looked up at the students vacantly. Only one left, he whispered. He cracked a strange, half-smile, and before any of them realized what he was considering, he shoved the barrel into his own mouth and painted the ceiling red. Holt's body landed on top of Billy, who screamed and squirmed until he got free. Lucas crawled over to him and hugged him. He whispered, Thank you, and Billy hugged him back. Laura threw her arms around them both, and together, they all cried. Despite taking a bullet, the clock still managed to ring at four o'clock. Detention was over. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com/slash Thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at The Warning Woods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey